everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, Daniel Gotera, a Final Four edition, episode 48. As we talk about the Houston Cougars dropping a Final Four game against the Baylor Bears. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and like and subscribe to it. I return to action, if you want to call it that, using some sports terminology. I return to action after a time on the disabled list for two weeks. It's a 14-day disabled list stint, but I'm back. I am uh, recording again. Hope you guys got to listen to my interview with Reed Geddes. I know it's, you know, it's a little timely of an interview, given that it happened before the Final Four, and we talked about this great run, but I think it's still kind of cool to go back and hear his perspective of on where the program is. But yes, this is episode 48, the Houston Cougars dropping a uh, you know, a game that that really was not close. Uh, let's let's just be frank. I mean, and that that goes give all the credit to Baylor. I mean, uh, Baylor was just absolutely sensational in this game. Uh, this is the Baylor team. I think Clark Kellogg mentioned it during uh, the halftime after the Cougars went down 45 to 20. This is a Baylor team that we saw early on in the season. They're so good. They're so strong. Um, they're so quick. Their guard play is tremendous. Uh, U of H had to play a perfect game um, to get this thing done. They had to do what they do best, defense, rebound. They didn't do either of those uh, in the first half. They just got blown right out of the out of the gym or out of the arena or out of the stadium in this case. Lucas Oil Field is where they were playing. Um, not a good place for Houston teams over the years. Uh, the Cougars, uh, the latest, uh, the Texans have had so many problems winning in Indianapolis. Well, the Cougars lost in that building today in the Final Four. But look, um, this episode, I, um, I basically kind of simulcast in a way because uh, my colleague and I, Jason Bristol, we jumped on to our Facebook stream right after the uh, game, and we talked about this. So after I uh, wax poetic here for a little bit about this thing, uh, I'm going to share some of that audio with you guys as well as hear, uh, hear from Calvin Sampson too. I, I, he had some great things to say about this program, the state of the program, what this team means to the rebuild, if you will, of this uh, U of H basketball team and how and how this team will never be forgotten. In fact, that's what we're going to go to right now. Calvin Sampson talking about this team uh, after their 78-59 loss to Baylor. We've had uh, teams that were trailblazers, and now we had a team that, that, that was groundbreakers. Uh, um, the people that care about our university and care about uh, our teams, they'll never forget this group. Uh, I know I won't. I'll, I'll, I'll remember this team um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, great kids, uh, the love they had for each other, um, how tight-knit the coaching staff was uh, and supporting these kids. It was, it was, a, it was fun. You know, I'm disappointed the season's over because uh, I don't get to coach them anymore. But uh, well, what a run, what a ride. Final four, 28 and four. Um, two nets, you know, we've got a lot of memories, a lot of memories. So that was Kelvin Sampson uh, talking about his team and this run that they've had. Obviously, you can hear in his voice, he's very proud of what they've accomplished, and, and he should be. Um, he mentioned that this team's never going to be forgotten. And, um, you know, it's one of those teams that it's, it's, it's a pivotal point, right, for the, uh, for the building of this program. And he's, he, they've gotten better each and every tournament that they've played in. I know we didn't have one last year. They would have gone far last year. They had a great team, and they were on a roll, too, heading into that tournament. They didn't have it because of COVID. Um, but each year they've been in this thing. They've gone further and further and further. 
And uh, that's a testament to what Kelvin Sampson has done. Because, look, if you look out on the floor, those two teams today, uh, and Jason's going to talk about this in here a little bit, and he makes this a great point, but Baylor is U of H, but stronger and better. Uh, not, that's not saying that U of H is not good, but Baylor it seems like they've just got a team that they've been together a lot longer. Um, they've, you know, they've got I mean, amazing guard play. And really, again, we touch on this too, you got to give credit to Scott Drew and Baylor, man. I, what he's done over there in Waco is just absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Given the state of that program when he took over, it was a disaster. And that's putting it mildly. I mean, all the all the issues that they had off the court. I mean, the players. I mean, you, I, you can rehash the whole story. Go back and look at Baylor, uh, where they were as a program after all the issues that they had. Um, you, I mean, you, you could have made the the case they could have contracted the program, could have shut it all down. They didn't have to play basketball anymore, but Scott Drew takes over, and they, too, have gotten better and better and better over the years credit Scott Drew and his coaching staff for what they've done over there. So Baylor wins 78-59 over U of H. And here are Jason and I talking about this matchup. This was part of our live stream on Facebook right after the game, and I thought I'd share some of these comments too with you guys at home. So this is what we had to say about this uh, Final Four game. Time for Full Court Fever with Daniel Gotera. I'm Jason Bristol. Daniel, instant reaction from you after this game. You know, I know uh, the players were upset. You saw Quentin Grimes after the game. He was uh, he was crying. He was emotional. Some of the other guys, you know, Dejan Giroux, those guys that have had a tremendous impact on this program. I know they're upset right now, but you got to put things into perspective about what this team did. They were going up today against a very, very good Baylor team, like very strong Baylor team at every position with height, um, length on the perimeter, good guard play. You know, for U of H to win this game, they had to have a lot of things go their way, right? They had to play their defensive brand of basketball. They had to get offensive rebounds the way they've won so far throughout the tournament. So my instant reaction is, look, yeah, it's a tough loss right now to feel it for them, but there's nothing to be uh, feel bad about, that's for sure. I mean, they, they had a tremendous season, a great run. Baylor's just, re <laughs> Baylor's just really, really good. They've been one of the two best teams in the country all year long. And really, that's what I was thinking, that Baylor in many ways is like U of H. They're just better and deeper, and yeah. I think we saw that today. Uh, looking at some of the comments here on Facebook, Erica says Baylor had strong defense and did well offensively. Yes and yes. Uh, Alex says, go Baylor Bears, even though my Cougs lost. I hope the team from Texas wins it all. Michelle, way to go Bears. Liz says, sick them. And then Colleen says, the Cougs make Houston proud. And... Um, can't really read here what Nora says. That'll populate here. But, yeah. you know, when, when you're looking at this U of H team, I think they really had to play not a near-perfect game, but as close as perfect as possible because of the way Baylor plays and yeah. how deep Baylor is. You looked at some of the season averages where U of H was ranked among the national rankings in defensive statistics and offensive rebounds. I thought, wow, U of H really needs to be near those averages for them to have a chance. And they dug themselves in that horrible hole in the first half by not hitting shots, except one guy named Marcus Sasser. <laughs> other than that, I mean, that yeah. was just crazy, the fact that they couldn't hit anything other than one guy. Yeah, at one point, I was talking to our director, Dion, about this. I mean, if you took out Marcus Sasser from the uh, offensive production for the Cougars, U of H would, be, would have been down 33-2. to 
I mean, they were down 33-17, to 17, and he had 15 of those points on five three-pointers. They, they just had nothing going offensively. And, that, you know, and that's one thing we've seen from this U of H team this season, right? Especially in the tournament. Like, they, they hit these, you know, lulls in their offense. They don't have the, the offensive flow. I mean, Quentin Grimes didn't have things going. He, you know, he got a little bit better in the second half, but by that point, they were already down 25 points. Um, and I, I think it was Clark Kellogg that said it best, you know, this was the Baylor team that we had seen midway through the year when they were really firing on all cylinders. They were really good. And towards the end of the season, they, they didn't shoot the ball especially well from beyond the three-point line. But, I mean, today they were outstanding. Even the rotations were crisp. The ball movement was good. Even when U of H thought that they can have, you know, they, they cut on the angles, they would make that extra pass. And they were just hitting their shots from the outside. I mean, I'll, I'll read you some of the statistics. U of H shot 38% from the field. That's about on average what they've done so yep. far through the tournament. Baylor shot 52% from the field. And they were even better in the first half. They were at 58% in the first half. From three-point range, they were at 45%. Um, and the rebounds. I mean, U of H had to win the rebounding battle. Baylor got them there, too. But I think you're right. I think Baylor and U of H are similar teams. But I think just Baylor has just better athletes out there on the floor. And they may they may have been in the system a little long. They know the system a little bit better. But, I mean, you look at their post players. I mean, those are, those are big dudes down there. And that's something that U of H is not, just has not seen this year, especially in the conference that they play in. And Baylor's just too strong. And everything is magnified in the tournament. Right. And really, when you look at U of H and the way they played at times, Charles Barkley kind of said it, I don't want to say said it best, but he said the reason in his mind that U of H is a good offensive rebounding team is because they don't hit a lot of shots, right. which, yes, I guess you could say that, but rebounding is always about effort. So for all the Baylor fans out there, tell us which team you'd rather face or rather see in the national championship game. Would you rather have that that Gonzaga team that is certainly the number <laughs> one team in the country? Would you rather see UCLA Obviously, for the chance to win, I imagine you'd want to see UCLA, but for the beauty of the game, which one would you rather see? And then for the uh, U of H fans, which what was your, your favorite moment for this season? So we'll take some of these here on Facebook and, and let us know what, what you guys think out there in Facebook land. Daniel, what was your lasting memory of this U of H team? Like, what was the thing that's going to stick with you the most? I think I think this was the group that, that, that broke through and finally... I don't know if justified is the right word, but really stamped what Kelvin Sampson has done with that program. I think that's my lasting impression. Look, I know they didn't have the tournament last year, but in each of the last three tournaments that they've played in, they've gone further and further and further, right? So they're setting the bar even higher and higher. They're getting good recruits. The recruiting classes are getting better. We don't know what the future holds. I'm guessing Quentin Grimes is probably going to the NBA. Dejan Giroux is not going to be there either. Uh, Justin Gorham's not going to be there either. Those guys, even a huge impact on the program. But I think my lasting impression on this season is that, you know, if you have enough grit and you have enough heart and determination and you have an amazing coach, yeah. uh, you can get far, especially in college basketball, because you know, as we've watched the tournament so many years, you just got to get hot. You have to get the right matchups. And I, you, people are saying that U of H got lucky because they, they faced four double-digit seeds on the way to the Final Four. But some of those teams are still pretty good. I mean, Syracuse had a nice run. Rutgers was pretty good in the Big Ten, too. I think my lasting impression of this U of H team is that this is now the bar. 
right? Now, they've set a bar. Kelvin Sampson, he says he loves coaching at U of H. This is one of his favorite jobs he's ever had. This is now what they have to shoot for. They have to get better. They know what they have to do to match up against teams like this. And again, it, it is about matchups. They ran into a team that was really strong today. But I think uh, lasting impressions are it's going to be a lot of fun over there off of Cullen for a lot of years to come as long as Kelvin Sampson is on campus. And you got to assume that Kellen may take over after that. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And this is this is the bar, Final Four or bust. And that's the thing about the Final Four, right? Uh, you all, when you get there, you want to win a national championship. Obviously, you want to win the whole thing. But getting to the Final Four, and that's the, kind of the oddity in college basketball, if you get to the Final Four, that means you've won four games in a really hotly contested tournament already. You've won somewhat of a championship already. You're the one of the four best teams to still be playing. So it's nothing to sneeze at. It's something that they can shoot for from here on out. It's a high bar, yes, but I think that's something that they embrace. Shelton on uh, Facebook says the Cougs will be back. Julie is obviously a Baylor fan, says Sikkim Bears. Fritz, really proud of the Cougs. They will be back. Um, what else we got here? Houston had a great season, so much of the same that we're talking about. Lasting impression, lasting impression of U of H this season. I like the grit. I love that word grit. The defense just really stands out. But for me, I think it's going to be those... Hmm. Those last second plays by Tremont Mark, maybe. Um, Dejan oh, Giroux, yes. yeah, yeah. the shot against Memphis, the shot yeah. uh, against Rutgers. I think I'm going to say defense. I think it's going to be that U of H defense and just the way they just cause so many problems mm. for other teams. But again, the, the weapons that Baylor had, it was just way too much today. Yeah, and that's something, you know, U of H now from the building from this point forward, they're going to be getting some even better recruits from this point forward, right? I mean, you have to assume that now they're even more in the national spotlight than they were before. Um, but they did not have the luxury this year of having offensive lulls, right? I mean, if you're going to go and win a championship, like, I mean, you have to be on point from the very beginning. It's just that their defense was so good that it got them to this point. So the better players that they get in the system, the more offensive talent that they get, they, the more luxury or the, the better that they, they will be, obviously, but they won't have to be as elite defensively. And I think you're right. This particular group, we're going to remember that defense, the way they played on the perimeter, the way that, you know, a guy like Dejan Giroux, you know, shut down Buddy Bayheim. I mean, after all the talk heading into that Sweet, yeah. sweet, sweet 16 match, it was like, oh, man, this guy's going to light up the, the Cougars. No, Dejan shut him down. And, you know, the fact that he was hurt, then he battled back in that Rutgers game, like all that sort of stuff. Uh, that that type of those type of performances kind of uh, help teams create like a lasting impression, a lore amongst the fan base that these guys are never going to be forgotten. For sure. it, it's very interesting, though. You mentioned the recruiting. I always I'm always in tune to what Calvin's talking about when it comes to, to recruiting. And, and he will say not all kids and you know this, not all kids are made for our program. Yeah. And I always find it interesting that he says, yeah, there's some great players out there that we just don't recruit them because we don't think they're going to fit our ethos, our culture. And it should be interesting now to see if that changes. I don't think that's going to change because when you're a coach in Calvin Sampson's position where you have all that experience and now you have all this success, I think that he'll still be able to basically pick and choose the players that he thinks are going to fit the program best. And 
I don't imagine that they're going to be the one and done type recruits because it doesn't really seem like it fits the culture. Now, listen, if a uh, Carmelo Anthony or a uh, or a yeah. uh, uh, Zion, they're not turn Willie, down those guys. Yeah, you don't turn right. down you fit those down guys. The culture, yeah, yeah. But exactly. but you know, there's usually about three or four difference makers in a recruiting class. And then I would say players five to 105 are probably very close to each other. Yeah, and I mean, but think about this. I mean, we talk about recruiting classes. You know, we, we, a guy like Caleb Mills was here early on in the season and he and he left, he transferred yeah. for personal reasons. So they had a prolific score there. Nate Hinton decided to go to the NBA a lot earlier than he probably should have. He should have been on this team. So, I mean, he was a prolific scorer too. So. They've, they've had guys in that mm -hmm. system that can shoot, but they just, towards the end of the season, they just could not get that offensive rhythm going. And we talked about this throughout the tournament. It was my key in several games yep. that Marcus Sasser had to show up. He did, yep. but I did not expect that his teammates would be just so off offensively, especially in that first half. I just couldn't believe it. The, the, you know, they run those shooting drills, those rebounding drills in practice. They put a lid on the basket. Whack. It, it seemed like there, there was a lid on the basket during the game, too. I mean, it, I just I felt so bad for them. They were trying everything they could, but you, you got to give credit to Baylor, man. That defense in that first half for Baylor was outstanding. And they showed why they're now, what, 27 and 2, 28 and 2 on the season. So that's pretty impressive. All right, for everybody watching on Facebook, thanks so much. We are taking your favorite memory or lasting impression of this Houston, this Houston basketball team. And then for all the Baylor fans out yeah. there, which which opponent would you like to see in that national championship game? Yes, I know the easy answer would be UCLA, but listen, the competitors out there, they'll say to beat the best, to be the best, you've got to beat the best. So um, I would love to see that Gonzaga team. Going back to what Daniel said about Caleb Mills, Nate Hinton, I also think that of those guys leaving the program, I also think that kind of goes back to the program itself and the way Kellen... Kellen Sampson, Kelvin Sampson, Alvin Brooks, the way they really develop players because, listen, those guys, certainly they're strong recruits, but they're not those five-star right. guys that everybody talks about. And, you know, there's really no difference between a three-star player and a four-star player. Yeah. And U of H does a great job, it seems, of kind of bringing these guys into the program and then having them become the best version of themselves. And that's really a credit to coaching. That's what coaching's all about. Yeah, I mean, uh, Justin Gorham is another guy. I mean, yeah. a, that's a transfer. He was named most outstanding or most improved player, I should say, in the conference this year. I mean, that's a guy, when we talk about culture, we talk about fit that Kelvin is looking for to, um, to add to the pieces that he's already recruited. Quentin Grimes was a transfer from Kansas. He was a totally different player at Kansas. He just, it didn't work out for him. He, he was kind of lost. And then he came here with the right coaching, better mindset, and look what kind of player he's become. He's gonna probably be in the NBA draft. Um, so yeah, I, I, think, I think it goes a lot to coaching. Uh, that goes to schemes. We saw in the Syracuse game, a guy like Kelvin Sampson, who is experienced in breaking down different defenses and the two, three zone the Syracuse runs, I mean, they they work that zone pretty good, right? So it goes to coaching, goes to player development. But I do want to say, I know we got a lot of Baylor fans in the in the chat too. Scott Drew and yeah. what he's done at Baylor is a remarkable achievement because that program was a disaster. A yep. disaster. We don't need to rehash what happened there. 
Everybody kind of knows what happened there. I mean, that, they could have just folded up the program because it was just so in such bad disrepair. And then Scott Drew shows up on campus and they've just like a steady progress, man, just getting better and better and better. I know the, the, uh, the you know, people have been dogging them a couple of years that they haven't been getting it done in the tournament. They've had some talent, they just haven't gotten it done in the tournament, but boy, they've just broken through. But I think it's worth recognizing what Scott Drew and that Baylor uh, coaching staff has done there. Alvin Brooks the third on that coaching staff too, but he's done an amazing job in Waco and that should be commended, especially given where the program was in such, in such dire straits there when that all went down. And I think that also goes along with give coaches time. Yeah. You know, this oh, yeah. day and age, it's always like, oh, after right. two or three years, you haven't won anything. Let's get rid of you. And I think that that certainly that was a very unique situation, unlike many that we've ever seen in college basketball. But the fact that he's been there that long and now yeah. has done this. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Now, Joe here on Facebook says UH had no five star players that's needed recruits that's needed in the final four. I don't know if that's a hundred. I don't know if I would go along with you, Joe, a hundred percent on that. I don't. I don't know if I would go along with you on that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to have a guy like a Carmelo Anthony or uh, you know Zion Williams. You know those guys. But look, even Zion didn't even make it to the Final Four, yeah. right? He didn't even get there. Yeah. Um, so, I was just thinking of you know number one overall players to put it in context. But yeah. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Sure. Like, you don't. You don't need those. I mean, especially in college basketball now, there are guys that leave. Some of these like really high. Uh, level recruits, they get they get to campus. They they already have their eyes set on the yep. NBA already. You know, Cade Cunningham, right from yep. Oklahoma State, he's gone. I mean, he had a great year. He could probably use another year at Oklahoma State to develop a little bit more. But he's going to the NBA. So, in college basketball, I don't know. I think it's I think it's better to have guys. Yes, it helps to have those amazing talents offensively, defense, whatever. But I think it's good to have guys within the program that know what it's all about. They've gone through the wars, as yep. they say, yep. right? They've experience. gone through all yeah, the I battles. Agree. The experience really helps. And you've seen, look at a team like Gonzaga. I mean, you don't see a lot of guys from Gonzaga leave early to go to the NBA. Every now and then they will after a couple of years, two or three years. But I mean, that is a that is an experienced group. They're undefeated. We're seeing now with Baylor. I mean, I don't know how many four or five star recruits they had, how they came out of high school and all that. But all I know is while they've been on campus, they've gotten better as a group. And I think that makes a huge difference in college basketball. It's not so much of an individually driven sport as it may be in the NBA, per se. I agree. I think I agree. A lot of times we agree, Daniel. Most of the time we agree. <laughs> Most of the time. I, I would, I would Someone that didn't agree with you, though, I'm, I have to mention it because <laughs> our Jason Bristol did get some love from the CBS crew. His tweet showed up. Uh, his tweet showed up during the halftime show, and uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, I don't even know what, what that what he said didn't even I, really make sense. Yeah, I don't <laughs> really quite understand the response. I said. I you said, can go ahead and tell them what your Cougars are sadly down so many that Charles Barkley may accidentally call them Rockets during this halftime show. Um, and that, that's a fair, that would have been a fair comparison. Yeah. Given what we've seen from the, uh, our NBA franchise yeah. in this town. But, but um, all right, so let's wrap up with this. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Th I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> Thank you. And it wasn't a slam. I, no, I said I know, it I wasn't know. a slam on uh, U of H at all. I mean, I said sadly, it was yeah, just yeah, kind of no. the state of the of affairs with the Rockets. And I think Charles during one of the during the tournament had accidentally called U of H the Rockets or vice versa. Well, I can't he did remember say that U of H was better than the Rockets. That maybe I think that's, that's what it, yeah. I think okay. he did say. <laughs> Anyhow, um, which is probably also true. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, uh, but certainly Matt Musil has been covering. Yep. 
the final four fours in Indy. We'll have uh, reports from him coming up tonight after the late game, Gonzaga and UCLA. Let's I wrap want, up. I oh. actually want to say one thing. We okay. talked about it before. And I know we know uh, Jim Nance. We, I, I've talked to him before. I know Jason. Have you ever talked to Jim before? I have not. Okay. Okay. Well, he, he's great. I know Matt has a great relationship with Jim. He's a diehard Cougar. I, I mean, he went to U of H. I don't know. And he's a professional, right? Yep. I don't know if I could have called that game today. Like, if I was in his position. Now, granted, I don't have to worry about that because <laughs> my basketball team in college is never going to get to the Final Four. I, I, I can five-star lock You'd that. be happy if they won a Big Ten championship. That, that's correct. We're, <laughs> we're never going to do that either. But uh, all I'm saying is I, I think it was, it, was a, it was a great job by Jim, and shout-out to him. I, I do want to mention him because it was it's tough, man. When you're seeing your alma mater, especially if you're so passionate about your alma mater, just, just get trounced in the, <laughs> in the first half like that. That must be hard, man. So I shout out to Jim Nance because he was it was it was it was cool listening to him in that dynamic, I think. And it's funny you brought that up because where it really struck me was perhaps maybe Jim getting emotional or where it might really hit him was when in the arena they're blasting his voice during the introductions. Like when they were doing the introductions and you could hear Jim Nance, that's when I thought, well, geez, I wonder what he's thinking right now. Yeah. I wonder how how the emotions that he has, but in hindsight, he's, he was probably in game mode, and it didn't really affect him that much. But um, And he's been down this road a couple of times. That's I mean, true. He knows what he's doing, yeah, but I just yeah. think that that's, it was so cool for him. I'm glad he got to call his team in the final four because I know how much it meant to him to come back to campus a couple of years ago. I think it was a Cincinnati game or Memphis game. Yep. It was on CBS. It was mm -hmm. a noon tip-off. And I know he had a really fun time doing that, so I can only imagine what it was like to call a final four game. That'll do it for this episode of the podcast. I'll be back tomorrow with uh, some cool interviews about a tennis match that took place in the Astrodome a long, long time ago, but it was brought up again this past month. I did a little bit of research on it. I was tasked with coming up with a, uh, a story on the Battle of the Sexes match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. I uh, talked to two former ball girls. They had interesting perspectives on the whole thing, so I will share those interviews as well as one with Dale Robertson. That is coming up tomorrow on the podcast, so hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy that one too. But this one was dedicated to U of H, a fantastic run. Congratulations to U of H. The Cougars, Cougar fans all over the world, um, the Cougs are back. It's a basketball school first and foremost, not football. They are basketball first and foremost. Kelvin Sampson's got them back on the map. The recruiting class is strong. They should be even better next year. I'm looking forward to uh, what this team has to offer. They got to a Final Four. The, the sky is the limit. The future is bright, as Kelvin said. So that's going to do it. Episode 48 in the books. I will see you for Episode 49 coming up tomorrow. See you later.